Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 296. This episode, we have an interview with Shannon Lee. Shannon Lee is the daughter of Bruce Lee. Uh, she's got a lot going on. We're going to talk about her. Uh, and she also has a TV show that she's executive producer of called Warrior. It's on Cinemax, so check that out. That's out now. We'll talk about the roots of that and, and her father's involvement with that. And it's just a tremendous honor to have Shannon Lee on the podcast today. My name is Byron. I'm here with my two buddies, Gary and Joe. Uh, Gary, Joe, congratulations. We have a new <laughs> sponsor for this episode that I think you guys were instrumental in bringing in. Uh, it's Phytogrip. It's the only approved denture uh, t- cream to keep your uh, dentures in, in place while you're grappling. And, and I know you guys are both big fans of that. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit bigger fan than Joe um, because I have to roll with you more often. And, um, you know, rolling with you... Uh, you know, Byron's kind of that spazzy roller, so uh, I do get hit with a lot of errant knees, uh, a lot of black eyes, a lot of swollen eyes, cuts on the eyelids, eyebrows, and, uh, you know, my teeth knocked out. So, um, you know, when you roll with Byron a lot, you uh, are going to need uh, some denture cream. <laughs> yeah, nothing worse than spitting your teeth out when the, your opponent goes knee on belly. So, <laughs> yeah, make sure you get... Yeah. So make sure you get your denture cream and keep your teeth in, guys. And what was the name of that denture cream, Byron? I just made it up uh, like Phytogrip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't actually have a – this is a sponsor-free uh, show. We, I guess we sponsored ourselves, and we're also listener-supported. So we do appreciate the listeners out there that are supporting us. There is a way to support us. Um, Byron has two different audiobooks, uh, but I will talk about the audiobook, Your First Year in BJJ. Two and a half hours of content, only $11.99. The first year of jiu-jitsu is the tough year, and what Byron's going to do is he's going to talk to you. He's going to walk you through your first year of jiu-jitsu, what to expect, how to make your training better, how to improve, how to flatten that learning curve. So Byron's going to take you on a journey through the woods to grandmother's house. And uh, grandmother's house is where you get the submissions uh, and you have a smile <laughs> on your face. So, so uh, no, uh, really, check out the uh, audio book, Your First Year in BJJ. Uh, it's getting great reviews, and uh, a lot of people have really uh, let us know how much it has helped there, especially their first year. Yeah, no, the, 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 I had to cut the part that Gary really wanted me to have in there, the part about how to submit uh, your grandmother. You know, it, I really just recommend starting off at a jiu-jitsu gym and not starting jiu-jitsu with your grandmother unless she wants to your grandmother's to a black belt? Maybe. But I'm just envisioning my two grandmothers that, that – uh, getting them on the mats well, you know, <clears throat> back we, in their we day. Are gonna, yeah, we are going to get in that spot now. I mean, people have been training so long. I mean, kids' grandparents are training. I mean, Joe, I know uh, – you know, you've got a grandson, and, uh, you know, it, it happens, and it's kind of cool. I mean, I I can't wait till I can become a, a tough grandparent. And, uh, well, I don't want my kids to have kids very quick, especially <laughs> just my daughter's only a freshman. 
But uh, careful what you yeah. wish for, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that's a cool. I mean, Joe, that's got to be pretty cool being a, a grandfather. You know, I know you take your your grandson to jujitsu, and uh, you know, I, I guarantee you, your grandson looks up to you and is like, "That's that's grandpa right there. He's uh, he's rolling." Yeah, nothing like a group of kids playing outside, and you overhear one of them say, "My grandpa can beat your grandpa up." <laughs> 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 yeah, jujitsu for everyone, for sure. Hey, you know what's awesome, Gary? What? Synergistic relationships, you know, where one one person in the relationship or one group helps out another. And I like that you said that by buying that audio book, our listeners can help us out. And one of the things that we do to try and help our listeners out is we bring an off-the-mat lesson that then we drag on to the BJJ mats. So we're going to go ahead and go with that portion of our show next and if you listened to us last week you'll remember i did a off the mat lesson involving a fish cop that uh, was merciless and gave me hell for about a week and that was uh oh about the time i started dating my wife and about a year after we got married that same fish cop he came down to the dock one day while we were offloading the boat and i was running the boat had a couple of deckhands on and when we went fishing, we we were chasing 12 or 15 different species of fish, and they each have their own federal limit as to how much you can catch. And one species might be 1,500 pounds, and another species might be 50,000 pounds. And so you've got to come up with some procedures and some routines to uh, calculate how much fish you're catching when you put it in the fish hold so you don't come in over your limit and you get a ticket. So I came in from fishing, and there's fish cops waiting at the dock for me and he's watching the fish come off the boat. Each basket comes off, it gets weighed, it gets tallied, and uh, I end up being like 50 pounds over on a species, and the limit was like 12 or 1,500 pounds, so it's just a couple of percent. Usually if the fish cop's not there watching you, you can just kind of make those fish go away. Sometimes even when the fish cop's there, he'll just make them go away. He'll just kind of turn his back, and the cannery just absorbs those fish. They get free fish, but... Not today. This guy wrote me a ticket, (laughs) had to go to court. Uh, I was so bitter about the whole thing because it seemed like this cop was out to get me. So I'm like, I'm not paying the fine. The judge says, fine, you can do community service. So I do community service instead of paying a fine. And kind of reflecting back on it, why why did we end up coming in over our limit? Because my deckhands got away from the procedure that we were using to calculate the volume of fish we're catching. Uh, this particular species, we'd, we'd basket every everything up. And so we got fish baskets. It's 100 pounds per basket. You count the baskets. You're going to be on the nose every time. You try and come in 2 or 3% under your limit. So if there's a little error, you're still safe. Well, my deckhands got comfortable just kind of estimating how many fish were in a pile. And they did all right for a couple of trips. We got lucky. And then I ended up getting a ticket and doing community service because they deviated from our procedures and our routines. I think this actually can relate to jiu-jitsu in a couple ways. One of them is, you know, an individual athlete and sort of individual techniques. Uh, If I am brand new to jiu-jitsu and I see the scissor sweep uh, demonstrated and I go home with a friend and try and rep it on my own, I don't really have the procedure down yet. I kind of have an idea that I have to Uh, trap one arm trap one leg i have to do some scissors thing with my legs you know i kind of have an idea and if i work at it enough eventually i'll get it but i'm not really getting it right 
But if if I have it taught to me again, I pay attention and I'm like, okay, so I get a good guard to begin with. I grab his right lapel with my left left hand and then I pull him forward with that hand on my knees at the same time I slide my right hand up to get a really deep grip on his left side. I keep his posture broke. Uh, he posts on my hips with his hands to try and get his posture back. I trap that sleeve. I let him uh, posture up. I get my knee shield in. You get where I'm going here. It's like each step is another step in a procedure. And then if I drill it that way, then the move will come automatic to me. So I, I think that's one way where uh, procedures and routines and uh, processes can really help in learning jujitsu. I also think with your training in general, if you have a routine, if you commit to a certain amount of classes a week, you commit to two days a week of strength and conditioning, you commit to consuming an hour a week in additional uh, tutorial material, I think that's the best way to get better at jiu-jitsu is to, to have a plan and stick with it. And the last way I think this sort of can apply to uh, jiu-jitsu is on a, on a larger level. Uh, you guys know I train a couple places. I, I love all the coaches I train with. But in this one area, I think my coach at my home gym, uh, Brazilian top team, Lake Jackson, Fernando does an awesome job. From the time class starts till the time class is over, everything's done in an, in an order and a way to make the student better. You know, nothing's random. You'll never see my coach on his phone. You don't see him distracted. And so when I was running the fishing boat, my two deckhands, they were the ones that deviated from the procedure, but ultimately it was my responsibility to make sure that on the boat, everything was being done right. And sort of from a gym owner's standpoint, I think that's the way this can be helpful too, is you, you develop a procedure for your classes and you just tweak it and always constantly seek to make it better. So there, there's three ideas, guys. What do you think? You know, I like that, Joe. Um, I like what you, uh, I was going to go and talk about the second part you talked about. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, having uh, a ritual uh, procedures, I guess, down, you know, to get better at jujitsu, uh, you know, you need to show up. You need to do jujitsu. Um, you know, you maybe need to uh, do a little strength and conditioning, stuff like that. But I didn't know where you're going with the third one. And I love the third one. You know, you're talking about Fernando. Uh, your teacher there having, uh, you know, just having the procedures down in his classroom. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing, you know, all the times accounted for. And, you know, I think that's great. And you brought it back to, uh, you know, talking about your deckhands. And, uh, you know, uh, Fernando there knows everything that's going on in the gym. You know, he's holding everybody accountable, you know, just like, uh, you know, you and your deckhands. You know, your deckhands deviated from procedure, and, uh, you know, you did not catch that, and uh, you ended up doing a little community service. Um, um, so, uh, you know, that if we miss something, you know, we may not be as good at jiu-jitsu uh, if we're on the mat, you know, if our procedures are a little off or if we're fishing, we may uh, have to do some community service or pay a fine. Yeah, Joe, that's a that's a great example. And I'm a big fan of uh, procedures as well. You know, it's you did a good job explaining how they could be used in jiu-jitsu. And just think if you if you have to substitute teach the class tonight cuz the main instructors out of town are doing something and and it's up to you. It's so much easier if your teacher and the class have a way they're used to doing it. Maybe the warm-up is 10 minutes, technique for 30, and then roll for, you know, two days or whatever, however long you usually roll for. Two days? <laughs> but, I thought 24 hours was the... That's, that's the record. Yeah. But, but, like, as long as, like, if you're new at teaching, 
and you're teaching your fellow students and you're just the one follow your teacher's procedure it's gonna that's what everybody expects that's what it, it's so it, a lot of times I think and I've been guilty of it too is you come in and say let's just do a little bit of technique and let's just roll for like the rest of class it's gonna be great and that's I've done that a lot of times it's fun but is it what everybody wants is it maybe sometimes uh, some people were hoping to learn a little more technique or something like that I don't know but uh, that's a great thing Joe I, I didn't get out didn't hear uh, what was your community service that you had to do was it anything interesting oh man first it was uh it was go clean out these dried up fish ponds where there was a salmon farm and it was nasty. <laughs> and so keep, the whole keep, time this, this will become uh more pertinent next week, but okay. the whole time my watch is why my wife is watching me trudge off to go clean out these dirty fish ponds, <laughs> come home sweating and stinking every day, feeling like I put in a day's work and made no money. So <laughs> um, just yeah. like I should have just paid the $20 fine. Well, it wasn't twenty bucks, but <laughs> believe me, by the end of the first day, I wished I'd have just paid the fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really don't think you would have had as many issues with that fish cop if you didn't wear that hoodie that on the back said "I hate fish cops," you know, in big letters. I <laughs> think that was, uh, yeah. you know, a, a <laughs> foolish mistake on your part. You should have seen what yeah. he wore to, when he met the judge. <laughs> 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 Not appropriate either. Yeah, nope. definitely not appropriate. But, you, hey, you guys know what is appropriate? Bruce Lee quotes. Um, everybody knows about Bruce Lee, you know, one of the greatest martial artists ever. And I uh, thought we would uh, pick a Bruce Lee quote. And, uh, you know, mine, uh, uh, one of my favorite Bruce Lee quotes is, life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man. And Joe and I can tell you, as, as our advanced age, we are definitely not old, nor stronger or faster. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. And, you know, I, I really love that. That And, you know, me and Joe were talking about that earlier is, uh, you know, being a, a little bit older and, uh, you know, we're, we're not as fast. Uh, I do think we have that old man strength, but uh, we're not fast. We, we Our cardio is not as good. We're not as flexible as we used to be. But boy, if uh, we have that attitude, you know, that we think we can do this, we think we can win, uh, you know, that attitude will take you a long way. Um, just kind of like what we were talking about uh, with grand grandparents wrestling, or not wrestling, uh, doing jujitsu. And, you know, I, I think uh, people think that grandparents aren't going to get out on the mat, can't get out on the mat. And, uh, you know, I know when I was younger, I would have never thought of my grandparents doing stuff like that. And, you know, here Joe is, uh, Joe's got a grandkid, Joe's on the mat all the time. I mean, what a, you know, what a, you know, that mind, you know, that Joe's always going to get on the mat, he'll find a way. And, uh, you know, just think of Joe's grandkid, just, you know, seeing that all the time. Like, you know, my grandfather, he's an animal. He, nothing can stop him. Um, but I just really like that quote. Sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. You know, you're not going to win if you don't think you can, if you don't have that mindset. Um, you know, it goes back to kind of what Joe was talking about, procedures. You know, part of procedures to be successful is, uh, you know, we're going to have a mindset. I, I don't go into, uh, go into work every day and it's like, hey, let's see how much money I can lose the bank today. Um, you know, Joe doesn't get into his... Uh, uh, drive his his uh, ship there every day and say, "Hey, let's uh, see if I can hit an iceberg." And uh, Byron, let's see if I can't put out this fire at work. Uh, you know, we we have those mindsets that uh, 
we know we can do this. Jerry, that was an awesome choice. Um, you saw that picture that our friend Brian posted of him deadlifting a thousand pounds or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what my first thought was when I saw that? He doesn't look very big. I think it, he does, but uh, well, I mean muscular to, to be yeah. lifting that much to weight. That much, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it goes to show how much of it is just mentally willing yourself to be able to do it. Yeah. And Brian, if you're listening, I know you, I see all these pictures of you deadlifting a thousand pounds off, uh, out of the rack. And I think I saw you do a 900 something from the floor, but, uh, and you're always saying that, Hey, one day you want to roll with me. I definitely don't want to roll with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that a big, <laughs> that's a big serving and nope. <laughs> I tell you I do, Brian, but that's just to be nice. But after seeing those pictures, no. I'm going to fake an injury. Yeah. So, Brian, if you want to roll, you can find Gary and Byron in Wichita. You can't find, you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> Well, let's, let's, uh, there's, there's a million Bruce Lee quotes, it seems like. I'll pick one here, and, and Joe, maybe you, you have one that you want to share as well. Uh, I've got here, I, th- I mentioned one of them during the interview, but uh, here's another one that I really like. The successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. And that's so many people. Most people doing jiu-jitsu are are hobbyists. They're people that have jobs. They're people that have families. They have the school. They have other things besides, you know, 100% jujitsu going on, the average person. But with laser-like focus, and that can mean different things. It, that could mean that you think about it a lot, you, you really focus, you study hard, or it could just mean that for the hour and a half you're there at the gym, you're focused in. You, you're getting the absolute best. Like when you're stretching, you're really stretching. You're not just kind of going through the motions. When you're learning technique, you're really making mental notes and you're really thinking about each technique. When you drill, you, you drill like you have laser focus. When you're, when you're rolling, you, you try to incorporate new things or, or bring your best grappling that you can and, and, and get mad time with people that help make you better. Uh, I like this. And it also doesn't define what successful is. Success for so many of us is so many different things. It doesn't mean that you're the, the most you know, the best grappler in the gym or in the state or at the next tournament, it can mean a lot of different things. It might be the the person who has been able to lose 15 pounds in the past two months or something like that. We all have different uh, barometers for success, but I like that quote a lot. And, and it just, if you need to be reminded that sometimes a little bit of laser-like focus makes a big deal, the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. It takes me back to uh, Joe's uh, life lesson. Um, about procedures and everything. Uh, procedures, you're going to have laser-like focus, um, you know, on those procedures to uh, to get the best, to be the best you can. Um, so it uh, seems like everything we're doing with these great Bruce Lee quotes is tying together uh, this whole show. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And in fact, I don't know, is there is there a, a more important thing you can bring to class than your attention and focus? I don't know. It's a pretty, it's a pretty important uh, aspect for sure. So yeah, we each picked a Bruce Lee quote. Uh, I chose this one: "The more you value things, the less we value ourselves." And I, when I think about that, I think what what Bruce Lee would be getting at in this. This is kind of off the mats outside of martial arts. That 
the value that we have, at least the way I see it, and I could be completely wrong, but it, it's my character, it's my intellect, it's my ideas, it's my relationships I have with other people. Th- those are what make me valuable. But it's easy sometimes to think, uh, start checking boxes. I went to the right school. I have the right title at work. I live in the right neighborhood. I'm driving the right car. You know, it's easy to start to to look at somebody and say he's valuable because and he's val- and I'm valuable because and our focus is on things. And then what happens if you lose those things? Then you're left with yourself and, and you haven't put any value on yourself. And that's not a pretty picture. And when I think about jujitsu and what it really is. And I'm not talking about whether it's a sport or a martial art or, or what it was 20 years ago. But I think all three of us, Byron and Gary, you would agree. What it is to us is it's a it's a social environment, a family. There's the camaraderie. I think uh, one of us believes that's the most important part about jujitsu. <laughs> Th- those are the valuable things about jujitsu: the the benefits we get from the physical exercise and the benefits we get from the social aspect of it and being around like-minded people and. That, that's really what makes jujitsu valuable or, or what, where I find the value in it. But it's easy sometimes to say, well, oh, being a, a competitor is valuable and winning com- competitions is even more valuable. And having a blue belt is more valuable than a white belt and a purple belt is more valuable than a brown belt or a purple belt is more valuable than a blue belt and so on and so forth. And boy, if the coach gives me keys to the gym, you know, it's easy to, to put – value on those things and and then what happens when your wife has a baby you lose a job you you break your foot i mean there's there's any number of things that can basically take you out of the game or put you in a position where you can only train a couple times a month and you know after a while of that you're no longer really a successful competitor you're probably not teaching class anymore Uh, maybe you've been at the same belt now for three and a half or five years and if those are all the things you thought were valuable, now they're gone. And jujitsu is no longer going to be any fun or fulfilling for you. But if you've maintained that the value is my relationship with my teammates, the camaraderie, the physical exercise, I get the benefits from that. Then the wins and losses come and go, belts come and go. Those, those things are not important and your jujitsu will be uh, enjoyable for the entire time. That's my take on it. What do you guys think? Joe, the show's over. I mean, really, what you said is the essence of jiu-jitsu. I mean, uh, you won the internet. You won the podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I think, think Joe you're spot wins the on. about every week. Yeah. yeah, Gary, the check's in the mail, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that that was spot on. Um, you know, preach. That was, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm, I'm. Feel like I should be bowing down to you. That that's that's so true about jujitsu and life. Appreciate the kind of words, man. Yep, I'm sure the internet will send you that award. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, no, I mean I, I'm dead serious. I, I was stunned. I mean, I'm speechless. I, I thought Joe, that was spot on. That was awesome. Um, you know, I was sitting there thinking, you know, we you talk about a guy like Bruce Lee. It's like he's so wise. You have so many quotes out there from the guy. And, you know, I was like, man, how cool would that be? Like, you're, you're so wise that you have quotes all over the Internet. And, Joe, maybe you, out of our group, I'm sitting there thinking, Joe's going to be the one who's going to get a quote because it's not going to be me. You know, if it does, it's going to be, you know, a quote that's going to land me in jail. 
And uh, Byron, I just don't think is intelligent enough. So, uh, well, with the quote, go with they you, put a Joe. picture usually, and that disqualifies me because nobody wants to look at that. <laughs> uh, but you know, these Bruce Lee quotes, you know, just incredible. And, and I think it's time to uh, we should just get on uh, with our interview. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. I actually know how to defeat the Darth Vader choke. The force is so strong in me. I don't try to defeat it. I just defeat it. I was doing solo drills and accidentally passed my own guard. I laid there motionless for two days until my neighbor found me and helped me escape side control. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do... I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Shannon Lee to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks Hi. For- Thank you for being on here. Uh, Shannon is a uh, daughter of the legend Bruce Lee. You're an actress, uh, also a martial artist, and uh, you're also an executive producer of the uh, new series uh, Warrior on Cinemax. Uh, <laughs> that's that a brief that. introduction. Uh, anything you'd like to add or just tell us about yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, well, in terms of the acting and the martial arts, um, it's been a little while since I've been doing that kind of stuff, although um, I get back to it occasionally here and there. Um, I also run the Bruce Lee Family Companies and the Bruce Lee Foundation, and I'm a mom, and um, I also am just finished writing a book that will be out in 2020. So lots of things going on. <laughs> wow! Yeah, you you are busy. Uh, uh, one of the main reasons we're here today is to to talk about uh, Warrior. It's uh, it's a new TV series. Yeah. How? W- tell me about the origins of of this. Sure. Well, um, I've been sort of jokingly telling people, although not really a joke, that this project has been in development for fifty years. <laughs> Because my father um, wrote the treatment for this show uh, back in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, he he uh, created this treatment and he pitched it to Warner Brothers and he they wanted him to star in a TV show. And um, ultimately they said, well, you know, you can't star in a TV show because you're Chinese and American audiences won't accept a Chinese lead and it's U.S. TV show. And so, um, you know, the project kind of stopped it in its tracks at that point. Um, and of course, we know he went off to Hong Kong to make a bunch of awesome movies and, and the rest of that is history. But um, his treatment that he created always remained uh, with my family. I always grew up sort of knowing this story and knowing that he had created a show and that um, he had... Uh, you know, not been cast and all this stuff. But it wasn't until uh, uh, late 2000 when I started um, joining in to run uh, my father's legacy um, 
that I actually came across the physical treatment because my mom sent down all of the archival materials on my father's writings and personal effects to me. And I was going through and I came across it and I was sort of like, oh, hey, here's this thing that I have heard about all my life. Um, But at that time, you know, we were just starting to figure out what to do and all of that. And I was not in the position to produce a TV series. So I put it sort of back lovingly back in the box and it kind of hung out there uh, for another 15 years. And then one day I got a phone call from Justin Lin, Justin Lin, who is uh, the director of many of the Fast and Furious movies, among other things. Um, and I had gotten to know Justin a little bit here and there. Um, just our paths had crossed. I didn't know him well, but I had met him a few times. And he called me up out of the blue and he said, hey, you know, I have always heard this story. Um, it's always been sort of part of Bruce Lee's lore that he had written this TV show idea. Is that true? And I said, uh, yeah, it is true, actually. And I have the treatment. And he was like, what? You have the treatment? (laughs) So um, he said, well, can we, can I see it? I mean, this is, and I said, sure. So we got together, we looked at the treatment, he read it and he was like, wow, you know, this is actually really good and we should make this the way your father intended it to be made. And I was just like, if we could do that, that would be amazing. And that's sort of how the journey of trying to create this show started. Do you feel like that has happened? I do. I mean, you know, the thing that was so great about Justin was he didn't say, hey, let's make a TV show. Uh, It'll be great. You know, like it wasn't just about like ticking the box of making a TV show. It was really about honoring the core and the essence of what my father was trying to do and making something that would um, really um, be an extension of his legacy, uh, but in current day. And so that's why this project came together so well is because Justin's like integrity and heart were completely in the right place. He had gotten to a place. He was a great partner to me. Like, complete equal collaborator, which I really appreciated because I've had a lot of people come to me over the years and want to do Bruce Lee projects, but you know, they always sort of treated me as like, we just need you to get out of the way. Just, just give us the rights and we'll go make the project and you just go sit over here in the corner. And I, I have always said, look, I, I know, you know, that maybe you have more experience, but I need to be involved because I need to make sure that this is, you know, within the guidelines of what my father stood for and what his legacy is. And I'm afraid I don't just trust like random producer X to know what that is. (laughs) So the thing about Justin was he was super collaborative and also, you know, he, he loved Bruce Lee had so much respect for my father's legacy and for what, you know, the impact he had had in the world and 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 it was just perfect in the sense that he he was a good guy, but you know he himself had been able to be successful in Hollywood and gain some of his own you know um, 
power in the industry so that then he was in a position to actually try to help make this happen, you know? And so with his integrity and his like heart really in the right place is what made this possible. And he really, um, you know, we had many long discussions about, you know, my father, what he was trying to do, what the essence of this story was and, and all of that. Set us up a little bit more. Like, where does this uh, take place? What is the time frame as far as like the storyline? Yeah. So, so um, Warrior takes place in um, San Francisco, Chinatown, primarily in the 1870s. I believe it's 1878 when the show opens. And this is, um, and it's a time, it's about a, you know, like martial arts prodigy that comes across from China for reasons that, um, you discover as the show, um, unfolds. And he gets sort of embedded with the Tongs in Chinatown at at a time when the Tong Wars, which is a historical, um, um, happening, uh, of that time period were heating up and taking place. It's also at a political moment in time when the railroads are finishing, the gold rush is sort of um, petering out and and there are all these Chinese uh, workers who are living in the city and, and uh, being used as cheap labor by the industrialists and um, the politics of the time are heating up to, to um, sort of, you know, this is a point in time right before the Chinese Exclusion Act was enacted into uh, government. And um, so there's a lot of racial tension between sort of the the working class laborers and the Chinese labor and then uh, the government and as well as the, um, you know, industrialists and all of this. So it's a very rich time period that we find ourselves in with a lot um, a very multi-layered and multifaceted world. Looking at this, there it was. It was written, and he, he had a role in this. So, it, was it focused around a central character, or was there is there like a lot of side characters where? Um... Well, so from the original treatment, so my father very purposefully picked this time period for a number of reasons. Um, like I said, he was interested in the historical the notion of the Tong Wars and then also of, um, you know, the Chinese Exclusion Act, um, and uh, which was an immigration policy of the government that banned Chinese people from immigrating to the United States. And um, so that was very much within the essence of his treatment. He, he also um, liked this time period because it's, it's still the Old West, right? And yeah. so... Um, and so, you know, this is a time period where hand-to-hand combat is still a really, um, viable means of, of, of fighting. Um, people aren't walking around with semi-automatic weapons, blowing people away, right? So, uh, there are people of pistols and that sort of thing, but, you know, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it's a slower, uh, form even, even then. Um, and so he liked the idea of being able to showcase um, his Kung Fu and martial arts. And the main character is a man by the name of Assam, which my father would have played if he'd been able to make this show as, as he wanted. 
And Assam is, is this, as I said, like martial arts prodigy. He's this really um, amazing fighter who, who comes over um, on a quest of his own and gets sort of caught up in the period and the Tong Wars and the time. Um, um, but, but also, you know, one place where we kind of had to deepen the world was that, you know, my father wrote this treatment for 1970s episodic television, which had a very different style of storytelling. It was sort of week to week, like a different adventure week to week is how, you know, 1970s episodic TV was. And so people don't really consume stories that way as much anymore. And so, you know, we wanted to broaden out the world, but we very much kept the core and essence of all of my father's um, treatment in it, even up to some of the other characters, like there's a character named Bill who's a um, police officer in the treatment who's also in the show. But we definitely had to build out and layer a lot more of the world. So this is a rather large ensemble cast. There's, you know, the different tongs, the different warriors. There's some very powerful women characters. There's the politicians. There's the Irish working um, laborers. There's um, um, the industrialists who are trying to build up San Francisco and exploit the Chinese labor. So it's a very rich world. And I guess the thing I really like about it is, you know, this show can be met on many different levels. Like if you're just looking to be entertained on a strictly action level, like it's totally entertaining in that way. <laughs> you know, we yeah. had a lot of care around, around the action and the martial arts. Um, but if you want to delve deeper into the characters and the story and the world and the history of the time, like that is also there too. Yeah. I'm, I was looking at the history of the Tong Wars and it just sounds like a, uh, a, a wild time in a lot of it was you know, like in San Francisco where these rival factions or rival Rivalries were like violent, and and I really didn't know a lot about that uh, before. But it, what a great setting for a for yeah. a story like this, and 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 it just keeps true. To, like everybody, I'm sure loves those uh, Bruce Lee movies. Are, is, does it have a similar feel to those? Uh, kind of an updated feel. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing that the thing is, you know, my father the reason why he focused on this period um, also is because he was really interested in choosing stories that helped to reflect the Chinese experience, you know? And so like, if you think back to Fist of Fury, you know, that, um, that movie is about the tension between the Chinese and the Japanese, right. Um, which is a historical um, uh, experience. And then if you look at Way of the Dragon, that's about the experience of overseas Chinese trying to live in a European culture in Rome and run their restaurant, um, you know, and and the experience of that sort of fish out of water experience. Um, and so and then, you know, this similarly is about the Chinese American experience. I mean, this is really an American story and it's about sort of um, the, the 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 Chinese experience in it many different ways as as laborers as as um, the heads of the, the the different tongs or the different families that controlled Chinatown 
the relationship of Chinatown to the rest of San Francisco. And so it was a rich time for him to, uh, to, to be able to also share um, a little bit of the Chinese experience from a historical standpoint. Um, because, you know, my father had really made it a point to bring and tell these authentic stories and portrayals of, of the Chinese to the big and small screen. So the film, the, the show definitely has some great um, action. It has great feel to it. Uh, we definitely, in terms of the action sequences and the martial arts, like each each person has their sort of way of fighting and and not everybody in the show is a is a you know kung fu expert um assam is because you know he comes over having been trained in um wing chun um and then and then over the course of the show and of hopefully many seasons he'll start to evolve his style as he learns what it is to be a, a real and true warrior as opposed to just you know a kick-ass fighter, but what does it mean on a, you know, mind-body-spirit level? And, but, but you know, there are also, um, true to the period, many of the hired, you know, hired hands of the tongs were called hatchet men because they carried these short hatchets with them, so, and, and brutalized one another um, in that way. So we have hatchet men, we have people who, work more with knives. There are some people who are more skilled fighters with Gong Fu and then they sort of have their own style and way of moving. There are um, Western boxers, you know, in a more old-fashioned pugilist style in the show. So there's a lot and of varied action and it all has that Bruce Lee sort of visceral uh, realism to the fights where if you get punched in the face, like it actually you actually get hurt and not just like be able to go on and keep fighting for 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to be true to it in that way. Yeah. I think a lot of what I feel with my connection with Bruce Lee is not just the amazing, uh, skill displayed on the screen and, and mm-hmm. in reality, like amazing martial artist, but also like you talked about a little bit with, with the, the main character having a journey and becoming uh, not just an amazing warrior, but becoming a, like a, a true warrior that has a deeper understanding of the martial arts. And, and that's like my connection. I like, he talked well about martial arts. He, he represented mm-hmm. himself. Well, he, he had lots of ideas and he was, he was, you know, very, very smart on that. Like one of my favorite quotes that he, he has is, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. And it's, like my podcast is called the BJJ Brick Podcast because um, mm-hmm. I think for jujitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, we need to we need to focus on some things and and, and build uh, like a like the, the idea of the brick is like you have a couple of good techniques you're really good at and I got that I think largely from that quote like have some things you're really good yeah. at and then also you know not necessarily in martial arts but in life like you can't just yeah. have some focus and some direction in your life and, and 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 drive towards those directions and and uh and i think that a lot of his quotes are great for martial arts and then you could just take them you know out of the dojo or off of the street and, and take them into real life and 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 they apply just as well there T- tell me a little bit about your uh like your charity work you're doing 
Yeah, sure. So, um, um, the, the Bruce Foundation is our nonprofit and we've done lots of different types of charity work in the past. We've done, we've uh, awarded many college scholarships, um, over time. We've done some, uh, a number of different museum displays and exhibits, all in the hopes of sort of just like furthering my father's legacy, um, in particular of, you know, personal growth and self-education and, spreading the message of who he was as a whole human being, much like you say, you know, the thing about my father that has always inspired me to do what I do on behalf of his legacy is really his philosophy. It's been so meaningful to me in my own life and inspired me so much in my own life that I want to continue to provide access to that and tell the story of that and of his, um, who he was as a whole human being and how he lived his life. And, um, you know, uh, in, in the show too, we try to really hit on a lot of that philosophy and sprinkle that in as well. But with the foundation, you know, one of the newer programs that we just launched and, and we are developing and growing is a program called Camp Bruce Lee, which is a, right now it's a summer camp program for, for elementary age school kids where they can encounter martial arts. They don't have to have been training in martial arts, or if they have, that's also fine. But they get to sort of have that mind-body-spirit experience um, around martial arts and around Bruce Lee. We introduce them, because a lot of kids that age, unless their parents are huge fans or unless they're in martial arts, they they haven't really encountered Bruce Lee quite yet. Usually that happens when they're a little older, um, you know, teenage years and in their 20s. And so um, at Camp Bruce kids engage in, like, fun martial arts activities every day. But they also encounter his philosophy, and we teach the philosophy, um, and we do it a lot through games and activities. And we also, like, really ask the kids to, like, sort of express who they are as human beings. And it's a really fun program that we're hoping to grow and expand and, um, you know, all over the place. But um, it's our way of trying to create even more meaningful impact and introduce kids to some of these tools that can just be really helpful to them in life as they move through life. Yeah, that's, that is great to hear. And I'm, I'm glad you're exposing uh, martial arts to, to many, many children. One of the, the big tools that I've seen that martial arts does for kids is it teaches them if they try hard and they apply themselves, they improve at things. <laughs> as simple as that, like I can't yeah. throw a kick, I can't throw a kick, I'm bad <laughs> at it. And and if you if you have discipline and you work hard towards that goal, it doesn't you know it's not impossible. You can become good at something. Now we may not, we all don't have uh, the abilities that that Bruce Lee had, but you could become the better version of yourself. And that's and then apply that in school. Apply that like like kids. Some kids just go to school. Like I largely did. Think I'm kind of dumb, <laughs> but uh, there's room for growth. <laughs> like teaching those kids the growth mindset that where if you try hard, you will get better. You'll continue to grow. And I just anytime I hear somebody. Wanting to expose martial arts to to kids, it makes me happy. Yeah, totally. And and that's the thing, you know, that was really my father's message. It wasn't that, you know, you should be like, you should be Bruce Lee. It's that you should be the best possible version of yourself that you can be. And and he just believed in like having that growth mindset and that sort of that posture of 
always being the eternal student. There's always something more you can learn, always um, another level deeper that you can go with something. You know, to be able to, you know, if you, if you have that mindset like, oh, I've learned everything there is to learn and that's it. Then like, you know, you just kind of like stagnate at that point. And there's always something more to learn and engage in and deepen your understanding of. And, and that's to the growth of your self as a human being. Yeah. I, I was thinking like um, before the interview here, like if you feel a connection uh, with your father w- when you were uh, trained martial arts, but I, I, I would be willing to say the same connection with uh, working with, you know, uh, production of, of the series or any sort of a movie production. Like you probably also feel a similar uh, connection and it is, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just, um, yeah, no, no, that's true. And, and the, the truth of the matter is I did train in Jikundo, um, specifically so that I could have that connection with my father. Um, cause you know, I was four when my father passed away. So I was very young and even though it was all martial arts all the time at my home, um, you know, I was, I was pretty young. I don't, I don't remember much of whatever we may have done in a martial arts sense. But, um, you know, when I was older and I, and I got into martial arts after my father passed away, I, I went specifically to seek out one of his students to train with them so that I could feel that connection more with him and really understand, because he was so passionate about the martial arts. I mean, it was really the thing that lit him up and he had created this, you know, art of his own and, and I wanted to know what that was. And, and so through doing that, I did get to understand him better and it also helped provide more access for me to his philosophies because as you know, everything he said, everything he ever learned about life, he learned from martial arts. And his philosophies, while they apply to his art, they also apply very effectively just to life and how to live life and also to other disciplines as well. Um, you know, there are many athletes in different sports and artists and musicians of all different kinds that get a lot out of his philosophy as well. And so, as you say, you know, even like in producing this show or, or setting up these camps or anything that I do to sort of further and deepen his legacy and, and provide more um, points of access all help me to be in close connection with my father. Yeah, that, that, that's great to hear. Uh, Shannon, I don't want to keep you uh, past our time here. Um, what's the best okay. place to go to, to watch this or connect on, on social media with you or with uh, Warrior? Yeah, so Warrior premieres April 5th, which is a Friday. It's next uh, uh, Friday, a week from this coming Friday, on Cinemax at 10 p.m. And uh, if you don't have Cinemax, you can get Cinemax in a variety of different ways. Um, but uh, it's a really great, fun show. You can also um, connect with Bruce Lee on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Bruce Lee is our handle. And we post a lot about the show as well as um, my father's philosophies and all of that. And um, the Bruce Lee Foundation is BruceLeeFoundation.org. Awesome. And what, do you have a title for your book that you have coming out? 
I do. My book is called Be Water, My Friend. Awesome. And it's about, yes, and it's about uh, how to use my father's philosophies in your daily life to the betterment of your life. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon, for helping on here with me and, uh, and continuing to, to improve the legacy of your father. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was great to have Shannon Lee on the podcast and uh, really urge you guys check out the TV series Warrior on Cinemax. Uh, it just, it's so cool to have something from Bruce Lee that's that's new. And, and these these were kind of something that he had had put together and, and, and wanted to star in and uh, that didn't work out. But uh, these are these are his writings, and this is like it's uh, from a real time period in the U.S. where um, this is kind of like what the streets were like. <laughs> Obviously, they they you know want to make it a, a great TV show and have all the the fun and interesting things happen as well. But uh, wow, what a what a tremendous uh, like setting for a TV series. Uh, you know, follow the uh, Bruce Lee Foundation on social media, and, and I think they're doing great things with kids as well. If if you have a friend that is a big Bruce Lee fan, tell them about the podcast. Even if they don't do jujitsu, they're going to want to hear this one. And uh, and maybe just maybe through Gary's uh, seductive voice, they they get pulled into the jujitsu world anyway. <laughs> right, Gary? Let's hear that voice. Yeah, I think my voice is really seductive. I, I... <laughs> I've had, you know, many of our reviews always talk about, uh, you know, how old I sound. So, um, you know, I guess uh, maybe if you like old people, you know, it might be seductive. But, um, hey, you know, uh, speaking of that, yeah. 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 I mean, Gary, didn't we just get some reviews this week, though, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you can you read your favorite review in like a very, in, a, in like a very white tone? In a very tone? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we get that arranged? Or is that too much? Oh, nothing's too much for me. <laughs> um, I I better pick a small one. Oh, come on! <laughs> if I'm gonna read Just like start that. off with the Barry White one. The, the, I think the longer one is the most inter- is a, is a lot of fun. Read up until the point where he talks about you being naked <laughs> in Barry White, and then you can hey do guys. regular Gary voice. Perfect, perfect mantra. I was hooked. I can't talk like Barry White. Okay. <laughs> Hello. I, I have no clue how to talk like Barry White Barn, but I'll just talk like myself. Um, no, we do have a uh, um, a couple of reviews this week. Uh, this one's by our buddy Gerald out in El Cajon, uh, California. Perfect mantra. I was hooked when Byron joked about Gary's obsession with grappling whenever he could in training. Imagine Gary in the locker room, naked, telling you guys, don't imagine that. Yeah, don't hey, do you want to grapple? But seriously, I was looking for information about BJJ. This podcast came up. I was so encouraged to actually try BJJ after years of thinking about it, but never acting until this year, 2019, January. It, it helped me with so many tips for new people and older people. That is me. New, zero experience, not in the best shape, unless you count round as a shape. Type 2 diabetic and 52. Um, so, hey, same age as Joe and I, so we can uh, we can relate. And always imprinting, jujitsu is for everyone. If not from the host, the guests mention that a lot. This podcast is the main reason I actually worked up the nerve to walk into a gym and ask questions. There is so much more I can comment on, but I'll end with saying that listening to Byron and Gary, Joe, I'm still listening to 2014, I'll catch up, is like listening to friends hanging out. 
very easygoing guys and zero arrogance at all. I guess he hasn't doesn't really know Byron well. He doesn't heard Thank that Joe on the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. for being so relatable. And again, thank you for kickstarting my journey. I pray that I can continue this BJJ journey. We know you'll continue the journey. Uh, thank you guys for that. Yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Not to get too deep into this, but, uh, if people wonder why, uh, Gary would take an hour or two out of his week or why I would to get on here and, and spend time with Byron, it, it's not just cause we like Byron. I mean, we do, do, we but, do? Here, but, <laughs> but here's a guy that said, I was thinking about doing jujitsu. I've stumbled across the podcast. I listened to it and I've started jujitsu now. Gary, I don't know about you, but that's why I take an hour out of my week every week. It's yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's neat to hear stuff like that. It, it's awesome, and uh, you know, and also he wants to see me naked. So uh, I guess nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I didn't quite read into that part, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> but the next one, though, great podcast, good interviews, good chemistry among the three having fun, and I always come with a useful tip for my BJJ game. Keep up the excellent job. Patreon supporter. I want my signed Gary poster. See, another person mentioned mentioned me wanting a poster right next to the Farrah Fawcett poster. <laughs> but do they know that you're clothed in this poster? <laughs> well, I better be because uh, I, I don't think that would go over very well. Yeah, indeed. It, it is a small poster, though, which helps. <laughs> But yeah, these uh, reviews mean a lot. We we read them, and uh, it is like a pat on the back of encouragement. So thank you. If you want to write a review, iTunes is is the number one place to get re, uh, reviewed. That actually helps the podcast. But anywhere you listen, most of them have a review system. Write a review, and if you do it in iTunes, usually we see those. But if you do it outside of iTunes, send us an email and let us know where it is. And we'd like to see that. And uh, we thank you guys for all of the uh, five star reviews. That's we got. We, all of our reviews this month, we got four of them in iTunes. They were all five stars. So good job, guys. The one, I mean, we haven't talked about yet, but just I'll mention a quick part about it from Dano007 from Australia. Keep up the good work, lads, and corny jokes. Corny jokes? <laughs> do we do we do those? He has listened to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think he probably only needed to listen to about five minutes to find a corny joke. We insert them in there occasionally. Byron's good at inserting them in there. <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, that didn't really happen the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> well, we have an article this week. <laughs> As a smooth transition to change of the topic goes. Uh, this one's on jujitsutimes.com. It's it's a it's a very large jujitsu website, and they have a lot of articles uh, this one is, should a blue belt be teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And the question mark, and then the word after that, absolutely exclamation point. And, you know, this this could be slightly controversial, in, or controversial with some people, but I don't have a problem with the blue belt. In fact, you know, like, there's there's different ways to look at it. Are you, what, what are you teaching or what are you doing? Um, if you're running a school... That's up to you. It's a business decision, and um, hopefully you're able to, to provide the type of things that you students want to know. But I have learned things from blue belts this year as a black belt. So 
should they be teaching me? I sure hope so. <laughs> I've got some stuff to learn. Uh, I've, you know, specifically um, working like Turtle and attacking Turtle. We've got a couple of blue belts that were very good wrestlers that um, that I really learned a lot from. And and I, I just think about like people coming from different areas. You know, somebody coming in from like Rolly Delgado's gym. If a blue belt wants to show me some leg locks, that would be great. Or show me some details to help clean me up a little bit. They're gonna they're gonna know a lot about that. So it in my opinion i like learning from anybody who could who could add something to my game that's a great opportunity if they're blue belt i you know, thank you for showing me that technique <laughs> and it's a little different if you're running a class i think in today's day and age there's a lot more uh higher ranked brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners but if you're a blue belt with the passion and you are good at teaching and explaining things you're gonna you're gonna do great um Compared to like a black belt, really good at jiu-jitsu, but can't communicate, you know, how to do a technique or how to, can't show a technique very well. They're gonna they're gonna struggle in that area. So you know when you get when you're teaching a room full of white belts, a blue belt, you know, just to make take it extreme with like a physical education degree and and it also a background in teaching like physical tasks to think to people, that person's gonna do great. They're gonna excel in that environment. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that there's a couple things that don't necessarily guarantee you're going to be a good teacher. That's true. Uh, you you can be a great competitor or, or have a great personal jujitsu game and not necessarily have a gift to teach. Uh, and you can have a strong desire to teach jujitsu, but not necessarily have the tools to be good at it. And some people are natural teachers. And when, when those people also have a desire to teach jiu-jitsu and have a, a good jiu-jitsu game. When those three things coincide, that's when you get a good teacher. And that could happen at Blue Belt, you know. And, and like I said, on a personal level, just learning from a Blue Belt class, I, I learn a ton from them. So we got no problem with that. But as far as actually running a class, uh, you got to have more than just good skills or more than just um, a good competitive record. You also got to have a gift to teach. And, you know, you, you do have, you know, you were talking about opening up a school, Byron, and, you know, we still have areas without jujitsu, you know, anywhere near, um, you know, it could be an hour, an hour and a half drive. And, uh, you know, so a lot of times you will see, you know, blue belts opening schools, you know, in those areas, um, you know, that's opening a school. I know, you know, we're kind of talking a little bit too about teaching, um, you know, and, and blue belts are knowledgeable. Um, you know, Byron and I started, you know, from, was he a blue belt or a purple belt? Yeah, John was a purple belt. He was a purple started, belt. Yeah. Okay, for some reason I was thinking he was blue. Um, but yeah, okay, so yeah, we started with a purple belt. Um, you know, there wasn't a black belt in the state of Kansas at that time. Um, but um, I, I kind of look back at, you know, I've taught people when I was a blue belt and, uh, you know, versus today, like, I probably wasn't a very good teacher at Blue Belt. I, I didn't have a very good understanding. Um, you know, and, and like Joe said, everybody's a different teacher. For for me to where I'm at now, you know, I go back and, you know, I, I think I could teach people below me, you know, just starting some basic concepts, um, you know, but I just see how much I, I really didn't have a clue of how the game was going as a Blue Belt. I, it, it took me years, to, you know, to to get the whole picture. Um, so I can see both points of view, but I think it all boils down to, uh, are you happy 
are, do you like your teacher? Is he a good person or is she a good person? Um, you know, and I, I just want to learn from a good person who, who knows what he's doing. And that can be a, a blue belt. It can be a black belt. Uh, who knows? Guys, here's an observation that doesn't really have to do with whether or not a blue belt should be teaching, but it might kind of have to do with how effective they are. My company has a policy. Uh, when we first hire a, a mariner, we put them on the boat and it's an industry standard. We give them a, a different colored hard hat, and it has big letters on the side that say SSE for short service employee. And that way, anybody just running into this person on the ship for the first time knows that it's not just somebody from another boat they haven't met before. They're new to the industry. And so you you take that into account if you're assigning them job duties or if you're working with them or whatever. And so this policy is so black and white, and, and there's some areas – within the policy that don't work very well. And one of them is after I worked in Brazil, when I came back to the U S uh, cause I'm going from one area to another, they actually rehired me in the U S. So they give me an orange hard hat with the SSC on the side of it. And they send me to the boat to be the captain. <laughs> and the first, <laughs> the first thing I did when I got on the boat and if my boss listens to this, I know she wouldn't, but, uh, <laughs> don't, don't come get me in trouble. The first thing I did when I got on the boat was get rid of that and get my old hard hat out because you can't walk on the boat and, and be the boss in an orange SSE hard hat. It, it just doesn't work. You know, if the customer comes on the boat and says, who's the captain? And you say, I am, and you're, and you're wearing an orange hard hat. It's just, it's not going to work. And like you said, Byron, a decade ago, 20 years ago, there were hardly any black belts in the U.S. And so a blue belt was almost revered. But nowadays, there are a lot of black belts, tons and tons and tons of brown belts. And so if you're teaching as a blue belt, kind of be aware that that might be a hurdle as people come in and they look and they go, ah, oh, it's just a blue belt. You know, so so you kind of have that. to It's an uphill battle because if you don't have the respect of the people you're teaching, it makes it more difficult to teach them. Yeah. So, Joe, you are you saying, you know, like to take the blue belt off and put a black belt on? So <laughs> kind of like what you did with a hat? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, but but it, it could be good reason. You know, a lot of people at blue belt, they are so anxious to strike out on their own. And uh, they might look for that little town you were talking about, Gary, that doesn't have another school because they just yep. want to go and and if that's what they got to do, if they can't stop themselves and go ahead, but it, it might be worth your time to just suck it up and stay where you're at for a year or two, get that next belt, maybe wait till you get brown belt before you go back to your little hometown and start a school. I mean, I know that's a that's an option and people do it, but uh, it might be worth waiting a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, I, I look at it, I, you know, I'm just going to play devil's advocate real quick. You're like, hey, it might be worth waiting until you get your blue and then go out to that little town and start teaching. But um, let's say I live out in that little town, you know, and I've never done it before. You know, let's say I just wrote into BJJ Brick Podcast with a review and said, hey, I, I just decided to go into the local school. Man, I would rather have you come out as a blue belt, I guess, and, and learn from me at that point where I actually got somewhere somewhere to roll. Um, it's, uh, I think... You know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of blue belts teaching. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of more brown and, and black, um, but I do believe I can learn from anybody. But I I think they're the ones who who do have the shot of filling these little areas. And if the, you know if they can still keep learning from their instructor, you know, kind of like an association and and still train with their instructor, I think uh, 
you know, we can just even grow jujitsu even more. So can I add one more thing here? Just uh, a little little tip for our listeners. Uh, It can really be a value added kind of thing. If you're looking at maybe taking privates and stuff to take a private lesson from somebody that's maybe really good at something you're interested in, but they're just the next belt level above you. I've even taken privates from purple belts. I'm a purple belt and paid them because they don't charge nearly as much, but they still have a ton to offer me. Great you know, I, I go I go to a black belt in Houston. I'm going to pay a hundred bucks for a private lesson, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot out of it. But I have a training partner that'll come open the gym and give me a private lesson for thirty bucks for two hours. He, he's a purple belt. He's really good for 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 the value for the dollar. I'm going to train with him taking some privates for a while as opposed to paying a hundred bucks a pop for black belts. That's just me. It's one option. It's a way to get some uh, additional training in and not spend as much money. Yeah. Good, good point, Joe. And, and smart, uh, move with your money there. Uh, one more thing I get to add to this. Occasionally we get an email, bjjbrick at gmail.com. And one of our listeners is like, Hey, I have the choice to start training at this gym or that gym. Um, one gym has a black belt instructor and the other gym has a lower ranking instructor, let's say purple. Um, I'll I'll tell them go both go to both and watch and and, and see see what you what you experience, and then the next email sometimes like at least think of one where it was like the lower ranking person I think they were a purple belt had a better environment, the the, the people were more friendly he he taught very good jujitsu and and not to to bash it on the other school but it it wasn't a, a place that the person thought they would they would enjoy attending as much I was like. I think you know where you want to go. Go to the go to that pearl belt and train jujitsu. That's the <laughs> that's the thing. If, if you could, if you could, if this person provides a better experience for you. Now, if, you know, if you wanted to compete at an elite level, you know, is is having the fun as big of a deal? Probably not. You probably should go where you know where you're going to get that you know the elite level experience, and and it may not be as enjoyable a process. But this person was looking for just I want to train jiu-jitsu. I want to I want to get better, and I want to have fun and do these sort of things. I recommended the purple belt, and I I do that again. So <clears throat> there's just a lot to teaching and providing service as as jiu-jitsu people, and there's a lot of talented people, both jujitsu wise and in in the ability to teach uh, in that you know that category. Um, and everyone's <laughs> brings different things to the table, and uh, it, don't overlook a school that has a lower ranking person there. They're a great person. They're they're fun to be around, or you know some of those things. It could they could make that distance up with uh, getting students that love their instructor, that love to train and and find that passion. Yeah, that gets back to where's the value at, right? Um, You know, you go look at a gym and the instructors, he's got the right belt. He's got two world championships. He's with the right association. But if you don't find the the value there, no camaraderie, no team spirit, you don't, you know, um, then, yeah, go go where you find the the right value. Joe, you just asked where the value is at. And I'm going to answer that for you. (laughs) Oh, man, I was hoping you would. Yep, the value is at. Fox Fitness, Wichita, Kansas, June 14th to June 16th, the <laughs> second annual BJJ Brick event. Do not miss it. Byron, who are our special guests? World champion Samir Shantri and Gina Franson are going to be teaching seminars. Also, 
So like the first day on the 14th, we'll have an open mat style of, of get together. This is what I believe. <laughs> we'll have a good time. No matter what. And then uh, Samir and Gina teach the second day, the Saturday. And then the, the BJJ Brick crew will be teaching a seminar on that Sunday. It's Father's Day weekend. Um, it, I know a lot of the, a lot of the guys here are saying, Hey, this will be my gift. Uh, from you guys, I, I want to go train jujitsu with the with the BJ Break event. That's a that's a nice little uh, thing you could you could ask for. Um, uh, uh, they, both Samir and Gina have been in Wichita and taught uh, seminars for amazing seminars from both of them. We're excited to bring them in. And they've uh, both be been on the time. show too. Yeah. So. You know, check out previous episodes where we've had them both on. But uh, if you want value, that's where the value is at. Uh, you can sign up at foxfitnessbjj.com. We have a link to it in the show notes. Mark it on your calendar. Uh, second annual BJJ Brick event. So uh, for our female listeners out there, Byron mentioned that the, the men can use Father's Day as an excuse to get to this thing. Gals, you can do the same thing. Tell your husband you're taking him to Wichita for Father's Day. You don't have to, you don't have to tell him why, and he might wonder why you're packing geese and rash guards. But just tell him you're taking him to Wichita for Father's Day, and then when you're there, say, "Well, since we're here, <laughs> if he doesn't and, if he doesn't train, send him somewhere else, and then you go to Wichita. And don't even let him know." <laughs> well, they, they can both come to Wichita, and he can go to the zoo with the kids, there and you she go. can come come to the. BJJ Brick experience. As Joe describes it, a vacation destination. Yeah, or a great gift would be, you know, just tell your husband for Father's Day you're going to Wichita for the event and he can hang out with his buddies uh, back home. So uh, that could be a pretty good He can take care of the kids for a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy being a father, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but so that's going to be a good good time. Uh, Do not miss it. Yep, I want to mention quickly that we have uh, a lot of support on uh, Patreon. And uh, our two newest supporters, uh, again, Gerald and Allison, thank you guys so much for recently signing up for Patreon. And uh, what you most people do is they support, they pledge like a dollar per episode. And a uh, pretty simple procedure. Also, as a token of our appreciation for your support, I'll mail you out a 5-inch BTG Brick Gi Patch and a sticker. And uh, you're also invited to join our private Facebook group. So we have a, we have several Patreon supporters that aren't in the f- private Facebook group. Send me a message at bjjbrick at gmail.com with your Facebook profile in the uh, in the message. Also say that you're a Patreon supporter. That helps too. <laughs> and I'll add you as a friend, and then I'll add you uh, to the group because that's kind of how I guess private groups work. I'm no Facebook expert. Joe is, but uh, it, it's a lot of fun on there. We we talk a lot of. Uh, uh, about the podcast, kind of behind the scenes stuff and the private group. And the only way you really get in that is through being a Patreon supporter. That's how you get the BJ Brick patch as well. So uh, thank you guys for your support on Patreon. And you, I noticed, you know, Gerald popping up on the review. Thanks again uh, for the review. <laughs> and thank you for the, uh, the support on Patreon. Uh, we also yep. are looking for a question and answer segment. We're running a little low on time this week because Gary's got to get rolling out of here. But uh, send in your questions and we'll answer them. Send us your cues, and we'll try to give you an A. Is that, that last time I said that? I really butchered it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your questions, and we'll give you some answers. They might not be right, uh, but they will be answers. So, all right, uh, guys, great time this week. We'll be back again next week. Till then, stay sweaty, my friends, and don't forget to shower. 
Train hard, train smart, get better, guys. We'll see you on the mats. And don't forget to use Fighter Grip Denture Cream. Keep your ditches in place, <laughs> even when the rolling gets a little bit rough. Especially if you're rolling with Byron. You'll need it. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Alrighty. Could you imagine going over to the side of the line, uh, like off the side of the mat and taking out your dentures and then rolling? Man, oh my God. Someday I'll be there. <laughs> if I ever have dentures, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try and denture cream them in. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does sound. Yeah. In fact, in fact, they'll go to the yeah. center of the mat and then be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And I'll just pull them out and run over and oh. hand them to my coach. <laughs> and it looks like to everybody else, you just you know, apply to mouth guards on that, but really you just take out your teeth. <laughs>